Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. So the other day it was brought to my attention that we skipped over Mara, which I thought was strange. I thought we had done all of the different Adra, the different divines, in order. But I was like, okay, I looked through the recordings, I looked through the the posts to the podcast feed, and I was like, yeah, you're right, we skipped Mara. How did we do that? Well, it turns out that we didn't skip Mara. We actually did the recording, and we even did it live on Twitch, but for some reason, due to other episodes or things I was putting out that, that week or whatever, it never got posted, and I have no idea why. So what you're about to hear is our recording of Mara from a few weeks ago, and please note that this is in the midst of going through all the divines, so if there are things that we bring up in this episode that you already knew or get referenced in a later episode or whatever, then this is just from a previous time before some of those other episodes. So anyway, I thought I'd post it anyway. Make sure you guys got this recording and <laughs> thanks for your patience with this, I guess. All right. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. Welcome, adventurers! I should do the old man voice again. I haven't done him in a while. Welcome, uh, everybody, to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. We're back, and I am your host, Tom. Or robots, you can call me either. And as usual, my buddy Lotus of Doom is here as well. It is it is a Friday night. He's wiped out. I'm kind yeah, of wiped out. Long week. Long week. Good. Yeah. Good to get some lore going before uh, before the weekend starts, though. Still. Yeah, it's good to do lore before you go to bed, and then you have weird dreams yeah. about it. Um, yeah, learn yeah. something new, and then freak yourself out. Yeah, no, we're not going to be too freaked out today because we're talking about Mara. No, She's, I was gonna say it's loving. She's she's loving and fertile and stuff. Um, but yeah, sorry we couldn't do the show last night. If you're tuning in live at twitch.tv slash robots radio, normally we do these on Thursday nights, but this is Friday night. Um, I was uh, fighting a migraine and sometimes those last two days and last night still just was no good. No good. You would have gotten a really uh, worn out looking version of myself who didn't use words very well, which isn't that different than the normal version of myself, but it was just a little <laughs> bit worse. Um, slightly more haggard. Slightly more haggard. Uh, but here we are able to actually talk about lore and do it in a slightly more cohesive way. And so why don't we just dive right into this, Lotus? We we Sounds got a show good. to do. So we've been going through the divines. We're getting close to the end of the list going through and this time we're talking about Mara. So Mara is also known as Mother Mara, Mother Mild, and the Divine Mother. And she's the goddess of love, fertility, and agriculture, and compassion. And she's also claimed as the Mother Goddess, and is of course one of the Divines. Now, this might sound familiar. This is a very common 
cultural deity in our own world. Most yeah. human cultures, most primitive human cultures up to a certain point uh, when they had pantheons of gods or even when they just worshipped uh, nature spirits have some sort of mother goddess. You know, those like documentaries they'll do where they're like, we, we found we found uh, I need to do the we found the old uh, the old fault. And we dug into the well, into the ground and underneath the ground was a burial site from 3000 years ago. And underneath that was a you know, and then they pull out like the little statuette of like the fat lady with the big boobs yep. like those. Those are mother goddesses. Usually that's the assumption. The other assumption on those is that it was very early version of porn. But most academics like to think that she's a mother goddess in those in those senses. And the reason for a mother goddess was to worship her and ensure fertility for the fields and for agriculture, which makes sense, because if you don't have food, you don't have people. Right. And I mean, regardless of the situation, we already did our episode on Debella. So now we're <laughs> so that's your porn version. And this is your motherly version. You know, pick and choose. It's fine. We're going to get we're gonna, the other half of the situation. Right. Right. And this was one of those things we talked about in college where it was like, are we sure that's not just like, you know, some horny guy making a statuette of what he thinks is a hot woman? Yeah. Like, I does it have to be a deity? Like humans do things like that. <laughs> like I'd say there's a pretty solid 50, 50 chance. <laughs> right. Like why would humans it might like not all have beaten deep meaning? Yeah. Why would humans like 5,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago be that different? they weren't that different. Um, but anyway, right. let's, let's get a little bit more into Mara. Let's we've kind of gone on a sidetrack here. So in the Merithic era, Mara was originally worshiped simply as a fertility goddess, but the sphere of the divine later extended to agriculture and love. So originally she wasn't connected to more than just fertility. And that usually has to do with things like childbirth, but fertility yep. larger would be in agriculture. Nur, the female principle of the cosmos credited as the mother of creation, is occasionally associated with Mara as a result of her role as the goddess of fertility and agriculture. It's like the two got merged at one point, and there are these myths about Nur uh, falling in love with Anu and rejecting Padme. And if you remember back to the early episodes of this podcast, we talk about Anu and Padme coming together to form souls of themselves that descended all of that craziness right well yeah, and then it devolves into sithis and right. everything else and it's, yeah eventually end up with akatosh and sithis and all you know right. all the pantheon the just pantheons below them itself down and down and down and down right and down. right so um there is some very very early lore about nur the mother of creation and that she was somehow impregnated by Anu, which created everything, which was part of the right. origin of creation, which seems different than some of these other um, pantheons and explanations for things. But like always, it depends on who you talk to and what their beliefs are. So that yeah. got combined with Mara and Mara, rather than being a divine for some worshipers and somebody who was secondary to the uh, Akatosh create starting time and, and these other divines now starting to show up was actually primary to that as Nur, which is interesting. So where she actually falls in the whole time scale of things, it, maybe it's both. Maybe it's one. Maybe it's she. Little, yeah, right. It's a little less concrete with her. Exactly. Exactly. 
So Mara is considered a near universal deity as the divine is featured in the pantheons of all the races of the continent of Tamriel, save the Dunmer and the Argonians. She's one of the few that shows up everywhere. A lot of the ones we talked about previously show up in only very specific ones, most likely the Altmer, the Aldmer slash Altmer pantheon, or the Manish races that came over from um, <clears throat> Atmora. Atmora, and, Yerkuda, any of that stuff. Right, right. So different cultures attribute different relationships between Mara and the other gods. The Nords of Skyrim consider Mara a handmaiden of Kine and concubine of Shore, who's Lorcan, right? So right. Kinnereth, handmaiden of Kinnereth, concubine of Lorcan. Okay, so hold that in your head. However, the Bretons, Altmer, and Bosmer, who all have more of a uh, elven bent on their understanding of things. Remember, the Bretons were a combination between elves and men. So they, this all comes from like the Altmer, the Aldmer side of things. Consider Mara to be the wife of Akatosh or Ariel. Again, that different tier thing. Uh, what tier did she show up to the elves? So very different in, in I want you to take a look at, diff, at these two things, because either she is the wife of Akatosh or the concubine of shore <laughs> now notice uh, of, of lorcan and of lorcan right and akatosh and lorcan are kind of opposites in a way they, they often end up on opposite sides of the spectrum there was the whole thing right. with you know lorcan's heart being pulled from tossed into the ocean and all that so she could be both theoretically um sure no i'm just kidding uh sure <laughs> sure <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, she she could be, and what with them holding different divines in, um, how can I put this? Different divines in different regards. It's almost like she is being paired depending upon what that culture has placed as like the higher of the two in some situations, like what priority might be. So it's it's kind of different interpretations of the same thing kind of going toward the same result. But since you're starting at different points, it's it's weird to get to the same location. You got to kind of take a different path to get there, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. Um, it's all of this is very interesting. So let's continue and then, yeah. then we can talk a little bit more about some of these details. Other faiths acclaim Mara as the wife of Lorcan or concubine of Akatosh. So it may in fact be the, the reverse relationships. There you go. Right. <laughs> Backwards. Or in some cases, concubine of both, which means Shh. and the difference yep. between a concubine and a wife is that a wife uh, achieves a certain status alongside. Yep. It is a um, traditionally it is a marriage relationship, which means that the wife takes on the status of the importance of being the wife to the husband, the roles in the family that come with that and all of those kinds of things. A concubine is typically the sexual interest of a ruler, but comes with it no authority of any type. 
Right. It's um, a behind the scenes love interest type of deal. Yes. And Although sometimes in front of the they're scenes, they're not necessarily love interest. hidden, but yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just, you know, not the same status. Exactly. And, and in a lot of cultures, concubines are very accepted. They're, they're just part of a natural part of that culture, but they don't get the same status as wife. That doesn't mean that they're any less important when it comes to things like child rearing or um, uh, the love and caring between the two individuals. Oftentimes rulers fell in love with their concubines and loved them more than their wives, but the wives were the ones with the status due to political reasons, not the concubines. So it gets it gets kind of messy there. So um, uh, let's see, I, I lost my place. Uh, here we go. In Arche, the god of birth and death, m- here we go, Mimophonus, Mimophonus, I think that's how you pronounce it, the scribe claims that Mara defied Arche, the god of birth and death, so to allow him to teach mortals the necessity of life and death. In the first era, the divine punished Sai, god of luck, and deprived him of uh, the divines. Sorry, sorry, punished uh, Psy, God of Luck, and deprived him of his body for his failure to uphold his pact with Ebonarm, God of War, to spread luck throughout Tamriel in the God's absence. St. Alessia consulted Mara during her slave revolt against the Aeliads in the First Era, and the Warp in the West, also known as the Miracle of Peace in the Third Era 417, we've talked about the Warp in the West a bit, is acclaimed as the work of Mara, Akatosh, and Stendar. It is unknown if Mara successfully destroyed the Skull of Corruption, a Daedric artifact in the Fourth Era 201. So she has some other influences and things that she's get attributed to her over time. But there's again, there's a lot of like vagueness to this. And she's pulled into these other discussions about these other gods. And a lot of this comes from the older titles in the series. So whenever you hear like discussion about Psy and um uh Eben arm and yeah like those individuals those that, that tends to be older lore according to it, not older in necessarily in the age within the games and but in the in the real world it was earlier written into the game yeah literal early writings like dagger falls and um you know um arena stuff like that before it's kind of the pre morrowind era is usually how i just kind of refer to it because once thanks for the follow buddy Morrowind hit the lore took a bit of a twist and new direction uh, what with the heavy hand of Michael Kirkbride love him or hate him <laughs> absolutely yeah yeah so yeah. Th- things kind of went in these the different directions but yeah. typically the, the thing that most faction most factions most uh places seem to tag into is this relationship uh romantic relationship between her and a very important deity that has something to do with either the creation of time or the creation of creation, either Akatosh or Lorcan, right? Yep. Like both of those people were very instrumental in those things and a, a general love and focus on reproduction fertility. So that seems to be the crux of this and why she works for many different, I guess, uh, faiths or how she converted from one faith to another and still maintained her status, I guess is another way you could look at that because that's what happens oftentimes in religion is that as religion gets passed from one group to another, it converts with the cultures that it's moving to. And we've talked about this before Lotus, how sometimes the, the thing that you, that the culture 
explains about the god says more about the culture than it does about the god yes they imprint themselves on it so there's that the as other, well the other thing that's actually kind of fascinating because uh this last little bit i i find interesting because of what is kind of so there are actual events that happen and and we've regularly made points of how much do the divines actually do yeah. <laughs> like yeah. and, and you had made this statement of like well maybe there it's more of a being than a doing thing but in mara's case um just based on uh some of the bits that uh have been noted in the unofficial elder scrolls pages where um the warp in the west supposedly had her there's a lot of instances where now granted this doesn't seem like there's any concrete evidence one way or another but her being involved is a little more common than we've seen with some of the other um adra so far which is kind of you know an interesting change because usually you can maybe find like one or two things Mara's actually got a few that has her name attached to them, whether or not it, it was real or not. It's just interesting that it was even thought of that she would have some type of influence on these situations where usually it's just, yeah, that's, they're there. <laughs> they're there, maybe. Like, yeah. Right. I've got some thoughts on that. Like in universe, Mara is the first of the divines we've talked about that has a more um, fundamental personal quality to her. In in, yeah, in, in like, so. the fact that she, the, it's it's about love, fertility, agriculture, you know, like these, uh, but especially the love side of it. She, yeah, like peep, you know what love feels like. You know what you want to feel when you want to fall in love with somebody, or when you're looking for a spouse, or um, when you bear children. There's there's something very personal about that feeling. And even if she is being that love, it's something that you feel personally and you feel active within yourself rather than something like the flow of time, which sure, we all feel the flow of time, but it's it's way more <laughs> right. amorphous, right? Like, and Mara directly has um, a, a, a part in the games, which very specifically in Skyrim is one of the few uh, Adra and Divines that you have an actual ritual that you can do in game. Like if you want to get married in Skyrim, you have to get an amulet of Mara and present it to somebody in order to marry them. That's like direct connection. Like you are actually involved with a ritual with this divine, which that's very different than most of them, which you can go pray at a thing to get a blessing, you know, a, a buff in game and remove ailments. But you know, this is actually like a feature of Skyrim specifically that you interact with Mara theoretically and her ritual in order to get married in game. So it's much more of a tangible divine than anything we've talked about prior. Right, right. Unless you're like the emperor and now you're interacting with the, the gem and the, you know. The, um, I, yh I, su but, I suppose if you played Daggerfall people... <laughs> multiple times and got different endings, you also just interacted with breaking Akatosh. So, I mean, there's, there's there, that there too, that. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. But most people don't get that experience, right? Whereas most people can have the experience of uh, marrying somebody. Like, that's generally open to everyone. Whereas only one person in a generation is going to be emperor, theoretically. It'll usually be multiple, but um, yep. it's a much more selective group, right? Yeah, absolutely. So 
According to um, the UESP wiki, it, it goes into this section about teachings and it says, as goddess of love, Mara is the bearer of love and shines that light on of love on all mortals. Mara gave life to mortals so that they may love. This is interesting because this is this is like a reason for creation, right? Like gave life to mortals so that they may love and assigning her as a creator of the mortals for a purpose is a very interesting way to to process this. And this comes specifically yeah. from the Hearts Day Mass Wedding, which is by Loremaster uh, Lawrence Schick, which is, of course, an in-game book and, and talks about it's, it's one of the things that gets read, say, at a wedding service. So maybe yep. this is just flowery language, but maybe this is something that some of the some of the mortals teach. I doubt that this is something that's more elven because the elves believe that they were not given life. They believe that they descended from the divine. So and with Lauren Schick being the former lore master, as things have progressed, Sometimes you also get different interpretations because the Elder Scrolls as a whole is written by more than just one person. And we've had more than a single lore master. So some things might have had a little bit of redirection over time. So sure. what was once a thing from one person might not be quite as accurate anymore because it's turned in a new way type of deal. Right, right. And there's a refrain in this. I'm not going to read the whole thing that says, as Mara is life, so life is love. As Mara is life, so life is love. And then another one says, as Mara gave life, so we give love. As Mara gave life, so we give love. Which doesn't necessarily mean created us. It could be gives us the ability to birth and be born, which could be a very a distinct difference. All mortals are born and birth, childbirth, fertility is something that Mara oversees, but that doesn't mean she necessarily created mortals. Do you see the difference there? Yep. So it could, it could it's one of those documents that you could interpret it in a few different ways. I, I would rather interpret it that way because that makes more sense, at least with the elven pantheon and their beliefs. But even sure. even the mortal pantheon, like there's there's very little out there that's like Mara was the creator of man, say the Nords or something, you know, like it's not exactly the, the same thing. Yeah. So it goes on. It says the gift of love was bestowed upon mortals by the divine. So to honor Mara and allow them to understand the true nature of the divines. Mara teaches that love provides nourishment and life to all mortals. The divine commands mortals to, quote, live soberly and peacefully, honor your parents and pre preserve the peace and security of home and family. Mara's benevolence is eternal and those who offer their love to the divines will never be forsaken. The warmth of Mara shapes the destiny of mortals and can be felt across Tamriel. Priests of Mara teach that the divine is omnipresent and her love and affection can be found in the heart of all mortals, thus linking them to Mara. The holy truth declares that love creates life and therefore those who love create more life. This sounds very Christian to me. Very. Yeah. The, the it, spirit it, of Christ is in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. Therefore, you know, God so loved the world. Therefore, you should love each other. You know, like that kind of stuff. This it, seems it very seems Christian. To have a, 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 it seems to have a more concrete connection to that than you kind of usually see. Like there's, there's always parallels between real life and, and different things. Hmm. But this one seems a little more solidified than we've seen with some of the others yeah 
Yeah. And then it goes on and says, Mara is also the patron of marriage and the act of union is carried out at her shrines and temples, like you were talking about. The divine teaches that the spark of union between two mortals comes from within and is not based on appearance. People don't get married because they think they look hot. The spark comes from within. Uh, the oaths and vows of marriage create life from love and are respected in the name of Mara. The act of union is confirmed upon taking the pledge of Mara and Mara does not place any restrictions on marriage. Thus all may marry irrespective of gender and race and unite their souls in the holy union, which is super nice. I think this is one of those things that we need to be appreciative of in our current I, social situations as much as yeah some people would disagree I mean, with me in, interesting uh situation where um you know when when you talk about worlds to live in the fantasy world of um Nern and the Mundus in general um, is kind of a hellscape, even though it's very pretty. Uh, yes. Living here just seems like constant threat of being obliterated from things outside your control. Yet in this one aspect, they seem much more tolerant and just accepting of like, hey, if you, if you love someone, you love someone. It's, it doesn't matter otherwise. It's like, yep. wow, that's that's much more progressive than literally anything else where it's just like, Oh no, I sneezed the wrong way and had my soul ripped out of my body and I was cast <laughs> into oblivion. <laughs> so yeah, absolutely. There's, there's one thing that's much more peaceful in their world. That's true. That's true. Um, and, and now cue all of the uh, reviews that say this podcast is too political. I've gotten a few of those yeah. recently and <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Well, if you think that's political, uh, you say you have deeper <laughs> issues at hand. Yeah. Yeah. If you, wait, wait, here's the whole thing. If you think that the Elder Scrolls in general is not political, then what are you doing? So many yeah. of these storylines have political roots and origins. And yeah, and regardless of what I think or what you think, it's there's politics here, guys. We're going to talk about it. Um, yeah, I was going to say it's a lot of it's a lot. The, the series is built on it. It's it's rough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. And if you disagree with me or, or Lotus, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, it's a video game. Um, yep. It's the real world. It doesn't matter. You don't have to agree with us. So uh, it goes on and says Mara makes her will known to her priests through visions and commands them to aid those who love whose love needs guidance. The priesthood of Mara strive to unite all mortals and are intolerant of those who are intolerant of others. So tolerance, I think, is absolutely an aspect of Mara that you can, you know, connect to her. So love, fertility, t tolerance. Seems pretty accurate. Yeah. Good values to have. Yeah. And like in seven, seven <laughs> chat says, just because you didn't pick up on it doesn't mean it's not there. It's there. <laughs> it's there. This is, yeah. Bethesda makes satire all the time. And generally the satire is making fun of some sort of political issue. So why don't we move to the middle of the show and we'll be back talking about some of the individual types of worship from different locations and places. And um, even how Mara might be connected to the Yakutin lore, which is going to be interesting. So hang tight. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire and every one a sign. Looking for an RPG podcast that isn't just D&D? Roll to cast is the answer. No, no, wait, sorry. What games have we played so far? Well, we've done Cyberpunk 2020. What does it mean? 
to have a voice. And there's going to be something big coming, Chumba. Hey, if you're listening, I want to beat you. You suck. There was a time when we were slamming things against our phones and <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Chloe, Sam? You can't use those words! He's going to grab Vincent, press him against the wall. I mesmerize him. This is Adelaide's Anarch movement. First out of your chair, your hand goes to your gun and you draw. Hulk Cthulhu. Told you I had it. Oh, we've all got the creeps going. I love it so much. All right, there. Screechy child. <laughs> my favorite daughter. Maybe after what we just seen, we're feeling a bit trigger happy. And the new Cyberpunk Red. Babe, you're good, but better. Thought maybe you might be able to give me a counter off. Straight through his neck. I don't see bone either, but I'm not gonna look. My leg's fine. I always knew you wanted to fly, kid. Come find me. Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. A new game every season. Original music. Original stories. Interviews with the creators. And delightful Aussie accents. Listen to us on all good podcatchers. Even support us on Patreon for bonus content. That's Roll to Cast. R-O-L-E. Come discover a new world. All right, here we are in the middle of the show, and I've got some exciting news for you guys. Of course, we have to thank our patrons, which I will absolutely do. But we also need to tell you about... The fact that this show and the other shows on the Robot 3 Network, potentially, um, depending on the show hosts who, who want to do this, are now Xbox and Microsoft affiliates. Holy crap. What does this mean? This means that you can use our link to get something like Game Pass and then play Bethesda games on Game Pass. And it doesn't cost you anything more, but if you use our links, we get a little bit of a kickback, which means that you can help support the show without even signing up on our Patreon or anything. In fact, if you're just going to renew your Game Pass and you already are using it or your Xbox Live or you want to get like a copy of, I don't know, Windows or whatever, use our link, go get it. And then we get a little bit of a kickback. So big thanks to anyone who does that. Highly, highly appreciated. If you if you just want the link right now, it's in the show notes, but you could also type uh, bit.ly, so the link shortener, bit.ly slash RR Game Pass, and that'll work for anything, but it'll take you to the Game Pass page first. And again, bit.ly slash RR for Robots Radio Game Pass, and go ahead and use it, and we get a little bit of a kickback, and it would be awesome. And also, thank you to our patrons. You guys are phenomenal. Holy crap, we've had a few people sign up in the last week and even upgrade their Patreon status, which is always a wonderful compliment. Um, anytime you guys are willing to put some money behind the show and help support us, uh, that's, I mean, we love the kind words. You guys are so nice to us, but being able to help support us financially is absolutely amazing because this is what I do full time now. And without you guys, I wouldn't be able to do it. So thank you. Thank you very, very much. And a special thanks to Daniel O and Noodle Al Dente, who are our Daedric Princes currently. And um, there's still time if you want to sign up for a tier four or higher Patreon in order to join us at the end of the month and the end of the month patron episode will be the last Thursday of every month. And so that is the 24th this month. And so you've got two more weeks to sign up for that. And if you don't want to do that and you still want to contribute and help out, then you're welcome to. And you could even get ad free episodes a day early. You can hear the ridiculous extended banter between me and Lotus and our chat uh, before or after the episode, depending on how that that happens and a whole bunch of other stuff. There's all sorts of other stuff on there. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast is where you go. And thanks again to all of our patrons. You guys are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. All right. So we are back and we've got some other details to talk about. So 
let's talk about we're going to go through and talk about some of these other locations relatively quickly. Um, we have Black Marsh. So the majority of the population in the province of Black Marsh venerate the Hist, of course, because they're Argonians. And in the second era, worship among the Argonians of Black Marsh of Mara and the gods was limited to a small minority of those who had assimilated to the cultures uh, from the empire to the north, right? Imperial missionaries' efforts in the province in the third era were unsuccessful as missionaries died from local diseases such as Umfolo, where a temple of Mara was constructed. Mara is known to have been worshipped as a member of the pantheon of the Kothringi, the indigenous humans of Black Marsh, and was considered one of their three mothers in the Around Us, as well as Dabella and Kinnereth. So, interesting. Any thoughts on this, Lotus? Yeah, that one's... Uh, I feel like that probably wasn't um, quite what the missionaries had in mind when trying to spread... <laughs> Again, never go to never go to Black Marsh. It's just unless you're an Arg Argonian, and then you don't ever yeah. really need to leave if you don't if want. If you're to. indigenous, piece of cake. You're basically invincible down there, anyways, because everybody <laughs> yeah. would die trying to get to you. And you fit right in, like you just yeah. kind of built for it, you know? Right. Yeah. But yeah, it is a, a further proof that that is a rough way to go. I, I, I you go you go there, and apparently even the. Uh, the goddess of love can't keep you alive, so <laughs> diseases and probably eaten by plants. Yeah, probably so. So let's let's go north to Cyrodiil. The Imperials of the province of Cyrodiil venerate Mara and the divine is considered part of the Cyrodiilic pantheon, of course. Uh, Benevolence of Mara, a cathedral dedicated to the divine, was located in the imperial city, the capital of the province in the late first era under the Riemann dynasty. In the fifth century of the second era, the Imperial City was also home to a Yakudin chapel in the market district, which contained a shrine to Morwa shaped like a beehive. We're going to talk about Morwa in a little bit. The Temple yes. of Mara and later the Great Temple of Mara is known to have been located at Breville in the second and third eras, respectively. In the late third era, way shrines dedicated to the divine can be found throughout the countryside. At this time, the office of Archbishop of Mara is attested. I believe at this time means like the most recent time period in the game, which is the end of Skyrim. A way shrine of Mara northwest of the city of Anvil was destroyed during the Oblivion Crisis in the third era 433. In the same year, the great chapel of Mara at Breville was desecrated by Aurorans, Daedra in the service of Meridia, and several of its priests were killed. So there's been kind of a uh, pushback against Mara due to all the events during the Oblivion Crisis. So that's yeah, Cyrodiil. That's, uh, Any thoughts on that yeah, one? Cyr no, I was going to say Cyrodiil just kind of has like uh, a lot apparently because the individual Mara worship, this is all, I, I don't know any of this fine tuning, uh, <laughs> in-depth stuff. So it's uh, interesting to see that it's, it's man, sh she really is uh, got her... Well, I, you know, for a joke that'll make sense later on, she's got her arms in all of these provinces, so that'll be... <laughs> yes, <laughs> I like it. Um, <laughs> so let's talk about Hammerfell. The worship of Mara in the province of, or the province of Hammerfell is divided between the crowns who represent the conservatives and the forebears who represent the cosmopolitan red guards. We've talked about this a little bit before too. Mara yep. is known to both crowns and forebears as Morwa, a fertility goddess. This is the uh, the connection to the um, Yakudin pantheon. 
however, the names Morwa and Mara are used interchangeably among the forebears. Morwa is considered the favorite wife of Akatosh and Rupka to the forebears and crowns, respectively. It's like these two pantheons merged. Yeah, it's it's almost like an Old Testament, New Testament type of deal where it's just like, this is our history and this is our progressiveness and then smoosh, you get them together and then it's kind of, you get not even a clear-cut division in many cases. It's, well, I like this part or I remember this and then it gets blended together rather than two things combining. It's literally them mixed up and then you get full parts of one, but then a kind of amalgamation of the other one and stuff like that so you get this weird hybrid religion type of thing seemingly very involved with mara or marwa which mara will be very interesting when we talk about her in a second yeah i'm saving her to the end because she's she's uh she's pretty good um all right so then uh where was i sorry i got distracted by something um Okay, Morwa is considered the favorite wife, blah, blah, blah. The, the goddess is always depicted with four arms so that she may, I love this, grab more husbands. This is Morwa. And you can see why yep. she's connected to Mara. It has to do with the whole, like, being the wife, fertility, yes. goddess, that kind of thing. Mara is worshipped throughout Hammerfell, including the island of Stras Makai, and is the patron deity of the regions of, oh God, here we go, Antiphilos, Aesophia, Ephesus, which is an actual real world place in Greece, and Yakalan. In the late third era, similarly to High Rock, the benevolence of Mara was responsible for the administration of temples dedicated to Mara and the Marin Knights, who also active in their province, who were also active in this province in the province at the time. The Conservatorium of Morwa was located in the city of Hegath in the late first era. So a big mixing of these two things. And um, whenever we yeah. bring up the benevolence of Mara, that's that's Mara. That's a, a group that was yes. responsible for a lot of things happening. Yes. So any other thoughts on that one? <laughs> Not really. That that's just uh, it's an interesting set of everything, because there's a there's a they're they're kind of dual old school new school take on it is one of the more unique ones mm-hmm. with you know morwa being uh it, it's funny just just the versions of morwa that's been shown throughout the games with uh, elder scrolls redguard i believe being specifically the one they were talking about with Patros mckay and those awful graphics on that statue um <laughs> she's definitely taken a, a different tone to her physical appearance in the series than kind of how she started at certain points or was depicted by um the yukudans yeah yeah so we've got a high rock next mara a member of the pantheon of the bretons is the patron deity of several regions of high rock such as anticlair betany glenumbra moors and northmore man these names are so much easier in it's amazing they came from you know a, gr- a group of people who were inspired by english speaking places um no wonder they're easier for me to say in <laughs> Anticlair, the 21st of last seed was known as Appreciation Day, an ancient holiday of Thanksgiving for a bountiful harvest. It was considered a holy and contemplative day devoted to Mara, the goddess protector of the region. In the late third era, temples dedicated to the divines were administrated 
administered by the Benevolence of Mara, a religious organization dedicated to Mara and her teachings, and could be found in major urban centers throughout the province. The Benevolence of Mara was led by a patriarch and was allied to the Temple of Stendar, a religious organization dedicated to Stendar and his teachings. The Maran Knights, who I mentioned before uh, already, were a controversial knightly order dedicated to Mara and the protection of her temples. Seems interesting that you would have a knightly order dedicated for a goddess of love, right? That's that is a bit strange. Yeah. So some within the priesthood of Mara called for the dismember dismemberment of the disbandment, not dismemberment. That would be very different. Disbandment I mean, of the order, <laughs> maybe by dismemberment. While others I mean, argue they were controversial, it was mentioned. <laughs> yeah, the order was necessary to create peace. So they saw them as more protectors and kind of a necessary thing. And thank you yeah, for the cheer, Gami boy. I appreciate that. I was going to say kind of like uh, peace through violence in that situation. They're, they're, yeah. they're protecting them, you know, the goddess of love and fertility by murdering those uh, who are not being loving, apparently. Yeah, yeah. And it says here in the article about the Mara Knights that they're a militant arm of the benevolence of Mara. So a part of the yep. larger organization. And despite the fact that their very existence is contradictory to the temple itself, the Mara Knights are sworn to enforce the divine will of Mara, which often is required to bring about the peace. Some members of the benevolence even feel as if the knightly order should actually disband, but they are, however, in the minority. So there is some internal conflict about that, which is kind of sure. cool. Like that makes sense. Yeah, rarely are things just universally agreed upon, especially about something like, I mean, those two ideas are fundamentally pretty opposed to each other. Like one is, you know, about love and the other is about, I mean, obviously violence, but it's to protect, you know, the, the peace of the situation. But you can't just do it through kind words all the time. So it's it's weird that you almost need to go out of your way to not do the thing you're preaching in order to promote mm -hmm. the thing you're trying to preach, which, you know, depending upon how militant people are on either side of that fence can get a little dicey in discussions. Yeah, totally. That's it's one of those things that I mean, this is a real world issue is like, why do yeah, we sure. need why do we need armies if we're not trying to attack anybody? And often the answer mm -hmm. is because they have armies, too. You know, right, yeah. Why, why should I have a gun? Because other people have guns. Because other people have guns and I don't want to be unable to protect myself if it's if if, if it comes down to so that. Right. 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 So it's, you know, you build a defense in hopes that you never need it is the idea. Yeah. So let's talk about Morrowind. The Dunmer of Morrowind largely neglect Mara of worship and the divines. They're one of the few groups that don't include her. However, in the late third era, worship of Mara and the divines was practiced by a small minority of Dunmer on the island of Vardenfell. Worship of the divine in Mardenfell, Vardenfell in the late third era was largely confined to its non-Dunmer population who prayed at shrines operated by the imperial cult. So that makes sense, right? The imperials move in. They, of course, bring their worship with them a missionary group which combined worship of the divines and provided service for all the divines at shrines found in imperial forts a shrine to mara and the divines was also located in the royal palace of mournhold during this time following the collapse of the tribunal temple in the third era 427 worshipers of mara and the divines formed the majority of the Hlalu and vardenfeld districts in the second era during the Three Banners War shrines of mara were located in the cities of devon's uh, devon's watch and mournhold so you can find some worship there, but it makes sense that the majority of the Dunmer 
throughout history she's not been on their list of it's been more of an outside influence that seeped into their culture than something that was bred there naturally uh, of course and that's if we go back to talking about the the dunmer that's because they were worshiping primarily the um the good daedra and then they had the right. tribunal and then after the tribunal the troubles yeah th then everything gets kind of wacky after that so um, and we also don't really have a good representation of that area after the tribunal falls. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, then everything gets weird. Yeah. So we, we don't really know. Um, then we have Skyrim. The divine is also worshipped as a member of the Noric Pantheon. In the second era, Mara was associated with the ice wolves that inhabited the mouth of the White River in the northeast of the Providence. Worship of Mara in the province of Skyrim was widespread for the fourth era and shrines dedicated to the divine could be found both in the wilderness and in urban centers. And that this is true. This is one of those things you'll notice if you play Skyrim again, you'll be like, oh, wait, that's another you know, Mara shrine over there, mm -hmm. such as the Temple of the, of the Divines in Solitude and at the Temple of Mara in Riften. A pond in the hold of East March was named after Mara. Some argued the return of the dragons in for the fourth era 201 was a sign from Mara signaling her displeasure with the people of Skyrim, which is kind of interesting because I guess that would mean that those people believe that she was a wife of Akatosh and had some sway over what happened with that. I, I suppose that. Yeah, I, I suppose you could. Yeah, that would be a, a way of kind of viewing that. I'd, yeah. Otherwise, I don't know why she would have the authority to do that to bring the dragons back then again, right right who knows you know it's it's religious worship so maybe they consider her influential or powerful enough to do that so last but not least uh, somerset isles of course this is the altmer mara is worshipped in the elven high elven pantheon and altmer legend tells that Nenemil, the Archon of Song, once embarked on a pilgrimage to see Mara's beauty in person. And I'm going to pause here. There are a lot of these old stories among the Altmer of these like ancient elves who did these phenomenal things and potentially mantled gods. And they're really odd, but may actually have some influence in the way the world and the events played forward and we may have to dig into this in the future but it's it's super weird stuff but anyway it goes on it says believing that the greatest love he could feel was love for the mother of creation his journey eventually took him to what is known as archon's grove where he found a flower of surpassing beauty the so-called rose of archon upon seeing the flower he realized that mara was more than just a being she was beauty incarnate found in every existing thing this goes back to that idea of being rather than doing that I threw out there. Yep. Um, uh, and from then on, Nenemil would preach Mara's beauty and the Rose of Archon would honor and represent her. Roses of Archon are collected by the Sapiarchs for the divine reverence of Mara, a ceremony that lasts for at least 58 days. As many Altmer ceremonies last ridiculous periods of time, this is one of them. So, yep. yeah. So <laughs> what do you think about that? Very, that is a celebration. I don't, I don't, 
One thing the Altmer know how to do is they can drag out whatever they're trying to do. They they might have exceedingly long lives, but man, do they spend a lot of it doing the same thing for a really long time. Like a 50, that is a two month ceremony when you think about it, pretty much. Yeah, like, that's, that's that's crazy. So involved. And can you imagine like how much something like that would cost? Like it, it's what a concept. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those things that like we talked about this a little bit that like the aristocracy in some old circles would uh, would partake in these like really ridiculous like week or month long celebrations because they yep, could. And they, right. Ju- yeah. Just because they could. It's like a it's basically like a frat party that lasts for a month. Right. Which is ridiculous. Like I can't imagine like that's got to be nuts. Um, so to wrap this up, let's talk about Morwa. So Morwa and this stuff is great, guys. Also called the Teat God, yes, Teat, T-E-A-T, and Lady Morwa is the Yakutan goddess of fertility and love. She is a fundamental deity in the Yakutan pantheon and is the favorite wife of Tall Papa. So in this pantheon, there are multiple wives. This isn't just like a, you know, a wife and a husband and then maybe concubines. This is multiple wives with one being the favorite. Morwa is always portrayed as a four arms woman so that she can grab more husbands. And this is the best quote. I love that. This is a quote. It's in the varieties of faith, uh, which is one of those like major main books that gets read and you know referenced all the time. Her shrines are the shape of a beehive. She was described by potentate uh, Versidu Shai as the lusty fertility goddess of the Akudans, but not as lusty as Debella. This was one, you know, we, we had obviously talked about a little bit of this uh, with the Debella episode, yes. but I just, I love the lustiness scale. It's like, oh, well, this I is, know. this is the lusty goddess, but not that lusty. It's like, yeah, this one's just a little, she's kind of lusty. The other one's like yeah, way lusty. Minimal lust. Right. Like, yeah. Like the, on the scale of like, um, I don't know. Something to Argonian made. <laughs> where does where where did this where did these lie? Um, yeah, I need to have like a, a not lusty. Who's not lusty at all? Uh, uh, oh man, who's a good not lusty? Uh, you, you know what? We'll just uh, Mana Marco on one side, Mary Marco. lusty Argonian made on the other side, and she's like a solid five five or six. Yeah, right, right. Manny Marco to lusty Argonian made. Yeah, but Debella, she's like an eleven. <laughs> she's like more than the Argonian made. I turned it up to eleven. It doesn't go to eleven. Mine does. Um, her priestesses are known to officiate and marry couples. Sources have conflated Arcade with the divines of the divines with Morwa in the past, although it's unknown if this was speaking to a true connection or was simply a scholarly mistake. So again, who knows, right? Ornate right. silver teaspoon sets of four are a way of honoring Morwa, one for each of her breasts. What? They're, sure. Sure. So she's not only got four arms, she's got four teats because she's she works in quads guy. she works in quads yes because she can bear all the children like right you know what's interesting is that like once you get to multiple boobs then now you're talking like more animal quality than you know manish quality yeah which is interesting um you know like like a dog or a cow or you know something like that has lots of children um 
There is a Morawa Conservatorium in the city of Hegath, which I mentioned before. There is one known play involving Morwa, Lady Morwa's latest marriage. So maybe she gets married over and over again because that's just what she does. Maybe because well, I mean, she's, she's grabbing up all the husbands. So yeah, she's lusty. She's grabbing those husbands. You know, that's just yeah. what she does. So there you go. Um, and you can see how that's different culturally than Mara because the cultures are different in a culture right. where you have uh, a single marriage and then maybe concubines. That's the way things get described in a culture where multiple marriages can happen. Remarriages can happen, m you know, multiple spouses. Then that's how you get things described. So, again, it, it may just be a aspect of the culture imprinting on the God rather than the God imprinting on the culture. Right. Um, the only other thing that I figure we might want to do just for sake of continuity, and I'm very lazy, so hopefully you'll be able to pull this up. Uh, uh -huh. I can even give you the picture. Um, in, I, we've been showing what each of the uh, shrines looks like. Yeah. Each time. And hers is strange to me, actually. The, the, so I, the one I with the face in the middle? The, like, the cross yes, with the that's face? the one. Here, I'll yes. pull it up while you're talking she's about she's got it. an emblem and stuff like that, but the, the yeah, her face, and it's uh, it's back on my game shelf behind me, and I'm far too lazy to get up. Uh, right. So I was hoping... So here it is. On here it is on the screen right now, Perfect. right between Beautiful. us. Here, I'll go over here yes. so you can still see me. There it is. So... How do you want to describe this? This... Yeah, I, so... It's a circle with a uh, the best way I can explain this is it is a circle on a pedestal with a cross and a face in the middle. And it almost looks like the Celtic weaving yes. intertwining all of it. Yes, it's and, like uh, almost like a chain wound around the inside of the circle. Right. It's this one is a little strange to me compared to some of the others that I've been able to sort of piece together. I don't know. This one, I always, the face in the middle is not inviting. It's like it is feminine. Creepy. It's feminine. It and it appears that the eyes are closed. I have to it, wonder, the eyes are closed, do you think it's an infant? It, oh, maybe. Do you think this represents childbirth in a way? Like this oh, might be okay. a, like a, a reference to a female body part. Potentially. All right. I didn't see. I, I didn't really have a reference point to this one because I've always thought this one is kind of strange. Right. It's kind of so, like a flower, too. Yes, I, I could. OK, so, yeah, you might have a little more of a, a concrete idea than I did then, because this one has always been like, why is this? <laughs> yeah. Why is this the Shrine of Mara? I don't get it. But OK, what you said, I, I could see that. I could see something like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. That, I mean, just off the cuff. Uh, there's yeah. there's a flower quality to it. There's potentially you could argue that it's somewhat like a like a the child of an infant coming out of a hole in the middle. Sure. <laughs> so there could be I... reference of birth. Um, there's what seems to be this linking chain, which you could reference to be like life connected to other life. Or, that, or love. That's the only part of it that I feel is like. You could have like, you know, the interweavings of all of these things with marriage and stuff like that as well. Right. Um, or even you, vines. You know, you're 
Sure. It's like, you know, growth or, you know, combining two different entities with the people uh, into one. So that I can understand the intertwining. It was always the, the kind of cross and the face. The creepy baby like, face. It's <laughs> creeping me out. And I don't, it's just like, this is not loving. This is like a necromancer symbol or something weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do, I'm going to zoom in real big on the face. Just cause, great. Oh, I stretched I out too. That looks even weirder. Well, yeah, so, you know, the button you use ooh, on Photoshop yeah, see, to make it stretch is the... Uh, enjoy that, everybody, on the video. That's... that's the eyes are clearly closed. They're very... Yes, they're closed. And it yeah, looks, you it might looks be onto like something like feminine lips, though. It does look like a, a woman. But then again, it could be anybody. It could be a baby. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird. It's still weird. Well, let yep. us know your thoughts on this, guys, because... Yeah. What, do you have any crazy theories know. on that that shrine? Because that one, more than many others, I've found to be a bit confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's uh, distinct and different than the others, but it shows up, like, everywhere. Um, yeah, it's other, very common. Other emblems include what looks like a, uh, a knotted rope wrapped around... Uh, what well, seems like a red object, like maybe a heart. I, yeah, I think it's like a heart or um, it's a heart or an apple or something like that. I, I think it's a heart would be the idea. Right. And then uh, priestesses and on the rare occasion that you get like a depiction of Mara, there's the she's holding a, a rope that's linked around itself and creates yep. a creates a loop. Um, but she she almost always is represented uh, very motherly. Um, again, not overly lusty, more like a, almost like a Virgin Mary kind of. Yeah, it, it's very, very similar to that, um, aesthetically in most of the pantheons. The, the, the lust factor is definitely not really the, the focus point the same way it is with right. Dibella. Right. Unless you just like women who are covered up a lot. Maybe that's your thing. Yeah. That, that's, yeah, that's fine. You can. That's then you know. Mara is your lady. Mara is your lady. There's also a um, uh, the the ones that show up in the tombs in Skyrim. This one's very interesting. I'm going to put this in uh, up on the video so you guys can see it while I talk about it. Um, I I love noting these because I I wasn't sure when I played through Skyrim which what these actually meant. Oh, I, that's way too big. Got to transform, and make it smaller. Um, so here you have remember the wolf reference we talked about. You've got wolf yes. faces along the top. You've got like wolf claws and you have a woman in the center uh, flanked by uh, men carrying a sarcophagus of the king and women carrying a sarcophagus of the queen, which is most of these are um, with moons on each side. And sorry about the dogs barking. Um, and then the woman in the center has a wolf's head like on top of her head, like she's wearing it like a hat, like a skinned wolf yeah. hat. And then wolf uh garb on like she's right yeah she's very wolf covered i was gonna say that's why the puppies are actually providing uh, uh description in the background yeah they're barking they're, to they're... the wolf mother yes right exactly they're they're, they're helping <laughs> helping portray exactly what we're talking about right but this isn't werewolfy this is no animal this is wolf. like natural wolf like there is a wolf in the wild you see you know you see a snow wolf okay that that could have a, a tie to mara not a werewolf is shredding a villager or something like that so. right right so that would be very different so there you go that's that's what we got from mara
Yeah, um, that's our overview of Mara. Yeah, as as usual, I find these uh, dives very interesting because they they raise a lot of questions and leave us wondering certain things, which I, I think is wonderful about this stuff. I love that we don't have all the answers, that we can wonder yes. about these things and then experience them in game and look at them a little bit differently the next time we play the games. And the changes from one culture to another, whether it's different or just completely not there, is something that I, I find very interesting because it makes it feel we, we've made reference to this not real world feeling real like it feels lived in it feels like it goes on whether you're playing it or not because these are all things that have been taking place and it, so many of them mimic how actual things work and it's like not everybody just universally agrees on yup this is our god and everybody accepts that and there are no complaints and it's like some cultures just don't even have any clue about these things or they have their own interpretations of it it all feels very very lived in and real yeah and that's what i love about this stuff is that the discussion connects to real world things which connects back to the game and all of that sweetens everything it makes all of it more enjoyable um, yeah, man, I've been I've been playing. How so? Side note here, right at the end, how how are you? How have you been enjoying the new Blackwood expansion for ESO? Um, I love it. Uh, so far, I haven't gotten too far on the story. Actually, the the main story, I've been doing side questings and stuff like that. But love the zone; it's enormous. I'm actually kind of surprised by how much area there is in it. It's very large. Um. The new trial uh, for anybody who plays ESO and maybe doesn't jump into the trials, uh, definitely suggest this one, even if you do it on normal or something like that. You don't need to, you know, go all in on hard modes and veteran modes and all that stuff to have a good time with them. Um, it is really fun. It's it. I always like to give it space from my initial impression of it to decide in the long run how it is but my previous favorite trial in the game is the Mauve Lorcage which came out years ago with the uh, Thieves Guild expansion mm -hmm. and this one looks like it might be taking second place overall actually I very cool the Deadlands look gorgeous which is interesting since the Deadlands are pretty generic hellscape yeah they are still generic hellscape, but <laughs> the art team did such a good job making it feel like more than just a generic hellscape. They, they they added other colors mixed with the red to bring it out. It feels ominous. And one of the things that we were actually saying last night when we were in something called a doom vault, which I won't go too deep yes. into. Yes. Um, but yeah, so while we were while we were in a doom vault, there's more to it than just Mayroon's Dagon is bad guy, which I already have started to see. And I'm like, okay, I'm interested to see where this is going. And the feeling of just this omnipresent, creepy, evil vibe, they did much better than any other game in the series, I feel. Like, they, wow. they their interpretation of... Mayron's Dagon and the Deadland specifically and his things. Very impressed with. Um very impressed with so far. I really like their their take on it. Nice. That's high praise. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I I uh, yeah, I, I'm actually oh, and the companions are neat, which mm -hmm. I didn't think I'd even use them. And I was like, oh, they're actually kind of fun. Yeah, I just so. uh, I just went and got uh, uh what's the lady's name? Uh 
Miri. Miri. I was like, me something. Miri. That's um, uh, so what I'm using. Yeah, I, I went and got her earlier today, and I've done the opposite of you. I've played through uh, story stuff and avoided yep. some of the side quests. And then just today I was like, ah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go get the companion, you know, bring her around with me, see what I think about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've been doing kind of the opposite. And, man, um, <laughs> I mentioned this last week, but um, talking to Rich and, and being like, yeah, oh, I wish they had more yeah, Dark Brotherhood stuff. Dark Brotherhood thing. <laughs> it's just like, I'm sure he was just Without like, spoiling anything, you mm, can't even get through the prologue. <laughs> yeah, you can't get through the prologue with a little bit of it, but there's definitely more than just a little bit. It's not just yeah. a reference to them. There, no, there's it, a regular, you know, it, thing. Yes, there, yes. There, there's more to it, which is funny why he probably snickered when you asked that question. Exactly. Said, yeah, you never know. Exactly. So, you know what? I just need to start predicting everything because well, I get really close. I get really right, close. And, and he said it's interesting sometimes how close people do get. And he's like, did somebody like spoil something? Like, did somebody leak something and we don't know mm -hmm. about it? Like, mm -hmm. but, but it's all just like, hey, sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. Lucky guess or something like that. But yeah. no, I, I strongly recommend it uh, to anybody. There's actually uh, just from a technical side of things, it, it's there is one pretty bad glitch that's annoying uh if you're doing end game content where there's there's this block glitch thing it's not completely unsalvageable it's just annoying um and supposedly it's getting fixed next week so it's not like a long-standing thing which is good but for the most part um i would also like to just kind of be like high praise on it's working really well like it launched and i know there's a lot of little things that they're addressing but from playing more of the high-end stuff uh, where timing and precision is like the difference between clearing something or being dead and needing to restart, as opposed to story, you can kind of chill, you relax. A lot of it, outside the block glitch, it's actually been working very well. So it's a, it's a pretty smooth launch. It's, it's not something I would even say you necessarily need to wait on for it to get ironed out. Yeah. You can jump in if this is something that's interesting to you. I, I definitely recommend this expansion right out the gate so far. Yeah, yeah, and if you're somebody who has a game but hasn't jumped into every expansion, um, and you only want to pick up one or two, like you could totally do that too. Especially if it's just certain storylines or certain bits that you are interested in, you can skip around. It, it totally works. Um, the fun part is if you do go through things in order, and I and this happens every time there's a new new expansion with the story, the characters reference you and they're like oh yeah it's you from the thing and like they remember and the, the dialogue changes based on that um yep. and, and what i love uh, we mentioned the dark brotherhood shows up but if you've played through the dark brotherhood stuff there's a point at which you you have to be like so you know that i'm a dark brotherhood member right <laughs> and they're like what you are and then like it's like there's a whole little discussion about Awkward. like what does that mean what does that have to do with what's going on um so that stuff's great. I, I, I love those little references. It just makes the world feel more lived in, you know? Yep, so that's sure. a little tiny thing. But if it didn't do that, you would wonder. You'd be like, well, I didn't the Dark Brotherhood quest before. Why didn't this come up? Mm -hmm. You know, or I'm a vampire. We're hunting vampires. Why didn't this come up? You know? Yep. It just, it makes everything better. And, and I appreciate that because it takes awareness of the things they've previously made. And the more things you make, the more awareness of the previous things that have happened, you need to bring into the new things you're writing. So exactly. Um, it, you know, it takes paying attention, which the team does a great job with, which is awesome. Yeah, they so, do. Absolutely. So yeah, go check that stuff out. You got anything else going on Lotus before we head out? 
No, not really. Ideally, um, be recording Tales again. Uh, there's the Bethesda Showcase this weekend yes. with uh, Xbox. So that should be exciting to see if they announce anything uh, Elder Scrolls, anything related. Yeah, and you're um, welcome to join us because I, I started today. I streamed some of the big uh, reveals for trailers and stuff. I'm going to be doing that tomorrow. I believe one o'clock is when things start up again. And then I will be doing it on Sunday, especially for the big Xbox Bethesda stream yep. and other hosts across the network will be joining me will be reacting and commenting live so come yep. join us here twitch.tv slash robots radio and lotus if you're if you're around and you want to just pop in if you see us in chat yeah, for sure feel free to feel free to just pop in and, and yeah, I'll, share your I'll swing by because i wanted to wait till after that showcase before i stream um i probably going to be streaming battlespire due to massive interest in everybody wanting me to suffer and oh man um all the so interest you yeah, found all your the calling. interest. So, you found your calling. Yeah, so I, I, great. Just, I'll be known for playing games from 25 years ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so I, I wanted to wait until I stream until after the Bethesda Showcase because I'm very curious to see uh, what they might announce as they make many of my favorite uh, series. Yeah. You know what I'd love to see you do after you finish things like Battlespire is watch people speedrun those games and then see oh. if you can speed run them using the hacks in the in whatever like the glitches yeah we'll see come extra lifetime later this this year um one of the incentives is actually uh, or at least has been mentioned to me i haven't figured out if i can do it or whatever but uh there there is a lot of people that have said that they would like to see me make a uh, charity goal incentive for extra life to be that i need to go back to arena and try to beat arena in under a half an hour yeah i want to see a speed run these yeah because i believe the current speed run record for um arena was like 17 minutes or something holy crap you, you know had, what'd be fun is if you and i had a competition like 56 hours what if, what if you and i what if you and i did a thing where we competed Ooh. and we could like co-streamed and we competed to raise money. You're going to get more because you've been doing this for long and people know to go to your channel. But we can put announcements out there. We can brainstorm there. this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, we, we can I both love, raise money. I love off-the-wall charity ideas for a good cause. Yeah, we can both raise money and then we can have a yeah. competition to see who can speedrun the game faster without previously, like, training. Right? Yes. Like, we I can mean, watch I'll videos have a slight advantage it? because I have beaten it right. as That's well. True. But That's true. I mean, I beat it and I'm not going to lie. I pushed most of that out of my brain. And now <laughs> that I've been playing Battlespire, I kind of wish I could bring some of that back to my brain and push Battlespire out of my brain. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and I might have to just play it to get the controls down and stuff, but I won't be practicing like the speed run yeah, you'll, techniques. You'll definitely want a little time with the controls. They're yeah. not intuitive. <laughs> right. But we can have a thing where we just like, we just go. And we see who can beat it first. And then if you beat it, uh, you can start yeah. over and see if you can beat it even faster. And I, I you might be on to something with this. We'll have we'll have to as as the time grows close in the fall, we'll have to brainstorm some ideas about this stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That could be fun and painful. What did I just sign myself up for? Both. Yeah, both. What am I doing with my life? It's mm -hmm. for charity. It's worth it, right? Yep. I'll just I keep telling that's myself. I tell myself all the time. I'm just gonna keep telling myself <laughs> it's worth it. It's for charity. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, please tune in if you guys are live and you listened to this before some of our streams this weekend. Please come hang out with us. We want to see your reactions too to all the big announcements. There's going to be cool stuff. Who knows if we'll get any more about Elder Scrolls 6. We might. It's been three years. Uh, we'll probably cough, get some... Doubtful. <laughs> doubtful, but you never know. Uh, we're almost definitely getting something about Starfield. 
who knows what, but maybe something, right? And then, of course, there's other stuff that Bethesda's working on and a bunch of other things. We'd love to have you guys come hang out with us. So come, please come do that. And remember, we're uh, Xbox affiliates. So if you get Game Pass and want to play some more of these Bethesda games, then make sure you click the link, bit.ly slash RR Game Pass. And we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. See you later. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening, and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net following is a public service announcement from the starter set dungeons and dragons podcast this is your DD campaign this is the starter set podcast you know how like poison frogs don't lick each other's backs so it's Hal's moving castle mm-hmm. with a face mm-hmm. hey there i'm great mandibles because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal you're all going to die <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap this is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? Hey Guardians, we are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside. Hello, gentle listener. Every Friday, be sure to tune in. What the hell are you doing, Ampersand? (laughs) Hi, Charlie. I'm sorry I broke in. I thought I was the only one to talk to myself. Well, I'm letting everyone know about the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. It's a 5e live play podcast. Join us every week. Where do we find it, you old crusty coot? Uh, anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Woo-hoo! You find it every Friday, you stupid cat. <laughs> Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.